You're on EducateForLife.com radio with Kevin Conover. And if you listen long enough, your faith will become... I'm tired of being conned. Don't worry, the con is over, see? We're now at DEFCON 1. Did you say carnivore or carnivore? Would you like to have a conversation with Kevin? Then call 800-243-9719. And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your time and bring your shame. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is join.educateforlife.org. And there is 40 online classes defending the truth of the Bible you can take. I'm a high school apologetics teacher at a Christian high school here in Southern California. And I've been uh, teaching this for 11 years. I love this uh, subject and the subject matter. Uh, I, I recently got to uh, be handcuffed to an evolutionist um, a little while ago. Uh, John Rail was his name. It's up on YouTube. You can check it out if you like. It's a really, really uh, interesting uh, experience I had there. And uh, and BuzzFeed asked, uh, was looking for a creationist to handcuff to an evolutionist. So I volunteered and uh, a lot of funny stuff, but also a lot of really meaningful stuff happened during that, that uh, time with uh, John. And so you can check that out if you like. My guest today is Thomas Purifoy. Thomas, am I saying your last name right? Yeah, that's great. Okay, and I'm really excited to talk with Tom uh, here because he is the producer of Is Genesis History, and this was a huge deal. About a year ago, uh, it came out on February 23rd, and it's going to be coming out again um, in theaters this upcoming Thursday, February 22nd. So I really encourage you to get out there. And uh, Tom, I wanted to give our listeners a little bit of background about you before we hop into uh, all the details about the movie and so forth. Um, how did you, what was your upbringing? Where did you come from? Uh, what, what's your background? Did you grow up in a Christian home or, or, or what was the case? Yeah, I did. Um, my parents were believers and, um, I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas, um, grew up in the church and, um, really had been taught from a very young age that the Bible was, you know, an accurate book of history. Mm. Um, and so <clears throat> for myself, I kind of went through my questioning of that or at least just looking into these issues of, of creation and evolution um, when I think I was around 10th grade in a biology class and I began to realize that the story, the history that the natural history of the world was presenting out of a billions of years mm-hmm. old universe and a um, life that evolved over long eons of time, that, that was a very different story um, in history rather than the one that was presented in the Bible. And so I remember kind of going through in my 10th grade year uh, an examination of these issues and kind of looking into the, you know, reading Henry Morris, reading Richard Leakey, and reading, really trying to read it both sides to try to understand what they were saying. And we kind of came out on the other side of it, um, convinced that the Bible actually gives a very reasonable to accept it as uh, the history of the world. Um, and so from there, I had really didn't examine this issue much for the past 30 years. I kind of had just looking in other areas and, of course, raised my own family and all. Um, and then came back to it more recently um, with this film. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, it's so f- when when this movie was uh, in the process of you know coming out into the theaters, um, it really took me by surprise. Uh, I saw Del Tackett's involvement, and that really blew me away. And because um, this has always been an issue that, as a teacher, an apologetics teacher, I've been all, all very passionate about this. And 
then to see this come out into the theaters like this, I was just uh, elated, so excited for uh, what you were doing. And you kind of uh, exploded on the scene here. I had never heard your name before at all. And all of a sudden, here you are producing a uh, nationwide uh, movie on, uh, you know, is Genesis history. Um, how did that how did that get started? I mean, what was the process from from, um, you know, where, when did you first think, hey, I want to make a movie about this? And what's your background? Uh, can you share that with our listeners, too? Like, um, do you have a background in film? Or what, what started that process for you? So I, my background in film is really kind of self-taught. I mean, I was a, went to college um, actually here at Vanderbilt in Nashville and studied creative writing, English, and had been very interested in the world of film and thought I would try to get into it in the world from a writing side. Um, ended up after the Vanderbilt going to the Navy for a while and being involved in um, overseas education and kind of doing a variety of things. Um, and then found myself back in Nashville and pursued sort of a, of a world in trying to develop a, a company that would be able to provide Christian materials and, and, and in some capacity, Christian film um, uh, materials for churches. So, I had done some stuff in the film world, and we have a video company that produces educational curriculum, but the world of the documentary, I mean, most people that are filmmakers will say that documentaries are what people do when they're slightly insane. Um, <laughs> that no one that actually pursues the documentary is, A, trying to make money, or B, really thinking that it's going to be any, um, anything big. Everyone hopes, but documentaries are very hard. They're hard to get funded, and they're hard to finish. So we, I originally had this idea, and a good friend of mine here um, who came alongside as the executive producer, uh, he was the one who, together with the, the two of us, we kind of said, I think we could make a documentary on this. So it always helps to have some funding. And so between the two of us, we put this together. So um, Del Tackett got on board. I had met Del years before at NRB, and he had an interest. And so I, I would say that in many ways, looking back, it was the Lord's providential control. He just kind of guided and put pieces in place uh, for this to happen because for every film that gets made, there's probably 10 that don't yeah. or partway along the way. And so I would say that was a, um, it was a real blessing that the Lord uh, provided to us just to put all the elements in this film. Yeah. So uh, if you're listening out there, um, I actually interviewed Del Tackett and Andrew Snelling about the movie uh, when it originally came out. And uh, that's on the YouTube channel if you want to check that out. If you're looking for more resources, um, there it, the movie has so much more than just the movie. Um, if you go to isgenesishistory.com, there's all kinds of resources. Um, you were just telling me, Thomas, about Beyond Is Genesis History. Um, can you share a little bit with our listeners what that is? Yeah, Beyond Is Genesis History is the is basically everything that ended up on the cutting room floor, um, which is a lot. Uh, when we went and interview folks. So take Andrew Snelling, for instance. Andrew's got maybe 10 minutes in the film, but when we actually interviewed Andrew, we went to multiple locations. Um, we filmed him probably for a good, gosh, three or four hours in total. And so we had taken that other material. So he talks about radioisotope dating in, in one instance and talks about really some sedimentological um, things in Sedona and another. And so we ended up with, uh, by even taking those four hours and cutting them down, four 20-minute um, segments that dig into a lot of the things that he just doesn't have a chance to talk about in the film. So what's beyond the Genesis history is that it's really the next step for those who were intrigued with what was in the film, 
which said, um, I've got a lot more questions because these guys really didn't answer that. They didn't go that deep into the material. And so the result is, is you can go this first set, the rocks and fossils, there'll be three sets, uh, life and design and the Bible and stars. Um, it's over six hours of these uh, videos that are a little longer, about 20 minutes each. And they let you dig into what the scientists really think um, on these topics in a much more in-depth way. That's great. That's great. Uh, fantastic resource. Again, the website is Genesis History. And um, I want to talk a little bit more about also, uh, you know, th- during this interview today, if you're listening, we're going to be talking about some of the science that supports uh, the literal interpretation of Genesis as history and uh, what some of the sticking points are between um, between secular scientists or what we would call old uh, old ages, people who believe that the universe and the earth are billions of years old versus somebody who looks at Genesis and the six-day creation and says, this is how it happened, exactly what we have um, outlined in Scripture. And uh, some of the uh, uh, controversy over, you know, how do you read Genesis? Is it poetry? Is it historical narrative? These kinds of questions. That's what we're going to be covering in the interview today. My guest is Thomas Purifoy. Uh, is GenesisHistory.com. He is the producer, and uh, so he's kind of the uh, mind behind putting all the pulling all these experts together and putting this into theaters. It's going to be uh, coming out again Thursday, February twenty second, right around the corner here. So I highly encourage you to get out there and check it out and um, bring some young people. Bring some people that are um, learning about these issues. There's a lot of controversy in the church. Bring somebody who's kind of figuring it all out and um, give them the opportunity to take a look at the science that supports uh, a recent creation. Uh, I'm your guest, Kevin Conover. You're on Educate for Life Radio here in Southern California and around the world on the Internet. So stay with us. We're going to be right back. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Educate for Life helps you build your life on the rock. LG Equipment helps builders build on good soil. Luke Gibson's team at LG Equipment is your local source for grading, demolition, hauling, and more. Learn about their bulk water services from trucks to tankers to towers at rentwatertower.com. Get your questions answered. Call LG Equipment at 619-988-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-988-0924. Do you have one button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-825-3985. Learn more at expressfixcoffee.com. 
How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fast Lane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastLaneSailing.com. 619-222-0766. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. I will cast my cares on you. Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is join, J-O-I-N dot educate for life dot O-R-G. You can pick up recordings of previous shows. I've got all kinds of uh, experts that talk about issues like age of the earth. I've in- interviewed Andrew Snelling, John, uh, Dr. John Baumgartner. He's a geophysicist. I've also interviewed uh, Dr. Jason Lyle up there. One of my first interviews with, with, was with uh, doc- Dr. Jason Lyle. He, he is a, um, a uh, physicist, cosmologist. And uh, we've got all kinds of valuable information out there that will help you as you explore the issue of how old is the earth really and how do they come to those dates so uh thomas when you uh, started p- making this film you already probably had a, a, a substantial amount of information um or knowledge about the subject matter what are some of the things that during the interview process what are some of the things that you learned that that kind of um were new to you well it's funny i, I wish i did have a huge amount of knowledge created if i I still, at the end of it, don't feel I have that much knowledge, um, even after three years of, of, of researching it. Um, oh, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're I, breaking I, my heart here, man. <laughs> That's discouraging. <laughs> no, go well, ahead. Keep going. What, it, well, the, what you realize is that, and this is just kind of the truth of that, is that we as people are extremely limited. Um, and we like to think that we understand a lot more than we do. Mm. And what you realize is that the world that God made is so radically complex, and there's so many details about it that we, um, the more you study, the more you are kind of your eyes are open at how much there is really to understand and know. And I, and I think that was what happened. It was like each of these areas that, that like falling down uh, rabbits or Alice's rabbit hole that you realize you get into it and say, okay, this is really incredibly interesting. Um, I mean, just looking at the world of paleontology and really studying, I did a lot of my reading was not working with creationist works, but actually trying to find graduate level or higher or, or works that are basically designed not for the introductory student, but someone that is really trying to present more of the data that's out there. Yeah. I um, mean, fine is the higher you get, a lot of folks are just really trying to say, okay, here's the data. Let's just look at this data. They'll put some interpretation, but the interpretations get um, less thick and they're more about like Benton's vertebrate paleontology. Just a great overview. So what do we think we see in the fossil record? Um, and when you begin to look at this stuff, even from a creationist perspective, it's really interesting because there's some fascinating patterns. I mean, most people, and we didn't bring this up in the film, most people, or when you think about when mammals appear in the fossil record, mm-hmm. um, they appear suddenly and they appear fully formed. And it is, just take something like bats. Uh, most people don't think about bats, but bats today represent about a quarter of the 
extant species that are out there uh, of mammals. Out of like, I don't know, over 5,000 mammals, about a quarter of them are bats, a little less than a quarter. Well, those bats, when you look in the fossil records, they go back when they appear, I believe, in the lower Eocene, which is one of the lower in the Cenozoic t- uh, levels, the higher levels of the of this fossil record. They're bats, and they're fully bats. Mm. And so these are really strange things even for the evolutionists to look at and they know why would this happen? How is it possible these things show up? Now they were quite, you know, call it the mammalian radiation, sudden radiation of these, uh, these um, mammals. But when you start looking at it and say, well, what if this is actually near the flood boundary? And these are the diversification of mammals after the flood in some form, which is the view that um, it's not the view all creationists take, but it's the view the creationists in the film we, we interviewed guys like Marcus Ross and Kurt Wise are paleontologists. Um, when you start looking at it that way, it really begins to unhinge and change the way you look at stuff. Um, when you begin to look at stuff like the whale, which are really unusual, and you see creatures that, well, what if, and this is kind of strange, what if there were creatures that had some ability to be up on land and breathe land and be in the water? What if they were kind of a semi-aquatic that then as things diversified, they became fully whales? I think that what is really fascinating is that creationism gives you the ability to really kind of think outside the box mm. um, and begin to actually look at ideas that make a lot more sense, even with the genetic plasticity and the genetic potential that we see within within animals today. Yeah. Uh, the ability to change. And so what I found really exciting is that if creationists begin to say, I don't necessarily understand as much as I think I do. But let's just go look at the data, and then let's go look and see what the Bible says as it's uh, lying, kind of giving us this picture of history. Well, how do those things really fit together? And when you begin to do that, it really, I think, presents a very much more exciting, and in some ways, perhaps, things that have not even been completely figured out. It opens up vistas for the creation scientists to do work that I think has an enormous amount of potential for the future. Yeah, and are you talking about as far as like getting grants and these sorts of things? Is that what you're talking about? Well, I mean, the idea that creationists would get grants is really extraordinary. There's yeah. <laughs> such little money for these guys that are out there. Yeah, yeah so grants would be good. But I'm just talking about research problems. I mean, questions of saying, well, how is it that the genome diversifies? So the assumption is, is that if the um, timeline between the flood and the present is so short, well, what that would suggest is that there's some pretty radical diversification. Take the horses, for instance, that are going for a fairly small little, a little horse-type creature with three toes and a little bit of a different frame all the way up to the thoroughbreds we see today. Well, if the Bible is accurate and the timeline, the chronology is accurate, that didn't happen in a very long, relatively long time. So what does that suggest for the genetic potential that we see inside animals? And guess what? When you're looking at animals today, and even in terms of breeding, you can get some really curious creatures when you start breeding them together naturally. Um, take the famous lion-tiger uh, result of a, of a liger. Um, these things are like 50% larger than lions and tigers. And granted, they're sterile right now, the ones that are, that are born. But what if they were not? These are, these are huge creatures. Yeah. So, I feel like there's a great deal of, um, when you begin to look at the world that way, that there are designs and blueprints that are potentially built into these creatures that are hidden there, and that may have been expressed in different ways in the past, 
it, it kind of gives you just a different perspective on the past and then really on the creativity of God, that he does things and creates things in ways that we really probably are not totally, un- we, we, we probably don't really greatly appreciate all the creativity that is within the crystal, the animals around us. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what has been the response over the past year to, you know, you, you've had a lot, so many people watch the movie now and uh, I think a lot of people have been a lot very enthusiastic about it. How successful has the movie been uh, in terms of you know uh, sales and so forth, and as as well as getting the word out of there uh, out here? Um, it, are you seeing that people are really looking for this kind of information? Yeah, I think it's been a little bit of an unusual response. We will often say that it was um, a little bit like finding oil on the ground that there was a lot of it there, but we didn't put it there. I, I think there's a lot of people that. They open their Bibles, um, they read it, and it seems to present this one history of the world, but then everywhere else they look around them, in general, in terms of the media, that it presents a different history. And so I think what we did is we just provided um, an overview in a, obviously, a, a video format, which is different than what had been done before, um, so that folks were able to consume it kind of together and get an overview of it. And so I do think that the film has, in some ways, left people, a lot of people with more questions than answers, and that's probably a good thing. I think that in 100 minutes, you can only do so much. Sure. Um, a documentary really is only, is very limited in the kind of information it can, can, that it can communicate. And so, my hope would be that folks would start here and continue to say, I'm going to research more of this, I'm going to learn more of this. And um, I think that, uh, that, if that I, we have seen a lot of folks that have seen the film, and have then begin to kind of say, okay, well, this is a totally new world. I'd like to learn more about it. Absolutely. Have you heard anybody's, uh, you know, sharing with you testimony about it that uh, it's really provoked them and then um, maybe changed their mind or at least opened their mind to, uh, you know, maybe somebody that was leaning secular humanist or somebody who was leading old earth? Have you heard any testimonies about people um, saying, hey, uh, this has really made me uh, reconsider my position? Yeah, I, I, we have heard folks that have begin to say, you know, this is really interesting. It presents a lot of information um, that I had not uh, heard or thought of before. I think that the, the tendency is most people are not probably going to be convinced by a single film. Sure. But that um, if they're pretty, cons- if they are, if they already hold to something pretty strongly one way or the other. Um, but I think that there are a lot of folks in the middle that had probably not really thought through this very much. And so, one of the things is is that it kind of opens up your eyes to a lot of data that I just don't think a lot of people are, are aware of. Um, and I think that the more that they are presented with real data, um, then I think that, that that's good for Christians. Absolutely. And I know there's a lot of our, our listeners are going to be thinking to themselves, you know, a lot of people say this. They say, why does it really matter? I mean, um, it's not that big of a deal. Jesus Christ uh, is who saves us and what you feel about it. Um, one way or the other regarding the age of the earth and so forth. That's not really that big of a deal. Uh, my guest today is Thomas Purifoy. He is the producer of his Genesis history, which is coming out February 22nd. Uh, again, uh, it's coming out one year later. It's going to be playing again. So please check it out. It's on Thursday, February 22nd. And when we come back, he's going to tell us uh, what was the motivation for him? Why did he feel that this was important enough to uh, make, uh, you know, ha- take such a big risk in producing a film like this 
um, you heard him talk about how it's hard to make a documentary. So um, why is this so important to Thomas regarding um, the age of the earth and is Genesis real history? We're going to be right back. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. Hi, this is Kevin Conover. Will you please donate to Educate for Life so we can share the truth of God's word with kids in public schools? You can donate online at donatetoefl.org. The Bible used to be read in public schools on a regular basis prior to the 1960s. But today, most kids are completely clueless when it comes to the content and the historical and scientific accuracy of the Bible. Please help us by donating online at donatetoefl.org. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Hi, I'm Marissa Conover, and I would love to help you buy or sell your home. I've worked as a realtor for more than 13 years, and as a San Diego native, my passion and experience will help make your move as peaceful as can be. Call me at 619-251-1577. That's 619-251-1577. Or visit conoverhomes.com. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? I've never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. I'm giving it Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is join.educateforlife.org. Please check it out. Also, we have a big event coming up on May 15th. Danny Ray, who is a very famous illusionist, he's an evangelist. He shares the gospel all over the world. He has uh, performed in all 50 states. He's incredibly, I actually had him on the show not too long ago. Um, He's going to be helping us out in an event on May 15th. I know it's a little ways away, but trying to get a head start here. And we are putting this event together specifically for Christians that are serving in some capacity in education or are a part of education. Uh, It's parents, administrators, students, and teachers. We'd love for you to come out and join us on May 15th, 6 p.m. in the evening, and uh, just uh, talk about what it means to be a Christian in education, to encourage you and inspire you. Eric Buer is going to be there with us. I'm going to be sharing a little bit about the historical accuracy of the Bible. And then we've got Danny Ray, who's going to be giving us these amazing illusions that he does and sharing the gospel. So uh, I hope that you can make it um, on that evening. Put it on your calendar. My guest today is Thomas Purfoy. Uh, He is the producer of his Genesis history. And Thomas, um, uh, on the last segment, I just ended by saying, hey, why is this so important? You know, a lot of people say, why are we even having this discussion? It's not needed. It's just divisive. Uh, What made you decide this is worth uh, putting this documentary together? Well, I think when people talk about the age of the earth, they're really what they're talking about, whether they realize it or not, is the history of the earth. And it's like saying, okay, this guy's 95 years old, 
um, and that kid over there is 10 years old. Well, by just saying his age, what we're doing is we're uh, basically saying, tacitly saying certain things about the history he's lived through. The 95-year-old was alive during World War II. The 10-year-old we know wasn't even born uh, when 9-11 happened. And so I think that when we talk about the age of the earth, that's a little bit of a code for what we think happened in the history of the earth. And that when we're dealing with the gospel, particularly the work of Jesus Christ, he came specifically because of actions that happened in the history of the earth. So I think that's what you see in Luke chapter 3 very, very clearly, that you see the baptism, and God says, hey, this is my beloved son who's here, and I baptized him, and he's basically anointed to do a very specific job. And so what does Luke do? He then gives us a genealogy that traces Jesus' line all the way back to Adam, who he says is, oh yeah, and by the way, he's the son of God. And then Luke chapter 4, what do we see? It's the temptation, which is a repeat of what happened in the garden. And so Luke is basically observed, wanting us to get that the whole reason Jesus is coming is to put, to basically to put to right, to correct what was going on in the garden um, and what Adam messed up at a real place and time. And so that when you begin to kind of look at these things as a whole, it's a, they're a little bit like roots that have grown into other plants. You can't just mess with one. They're all interconnected. Because as soon as you start dealing with the garden, now you're back in Genesis 2 and Genesis 1, and basically these things are all there together. So if there is a history of the world that is different than the one that is presented in the Bible, well, then you've got to ask, well, so what is it? And what are the implications of it? And so my argument, basically, is that if you're going to go extend the history of the world by billions of years, well, then you've got to put a whole lot more events in those billions of years. You're like saying, oh, World War II didn't last just, you know, six years or from 39 to uh, 45, if you're going to look at the, the from when it started in, in Poland. We're going to say it's 60 years. Well, you've got to have events that go with that. And so I think that that's an important deal that our Christianity is a religion based on events that happen in history. Paul tells us this, 1 Corinthians 15. Peter makes the point, 2 Peter, um, hey, we saw these events, and these events are real. And so the events from the beginning are clearly very important to everybody in the New Testament. They're all always talking about them. So I would go so far as to say that is this a gospel issue? Well, yeah, in the same sense that the things that Genesis talks about, whether it's Abraham, whether it's Noah, whether it's Adam, they're all a part of this redemptive history of how God is redeeming us, and that you can't really cut some out and say, well, I'm only going to talk about the cross, because what's the point of the cross if it wasn't for, for Adam? I see what you're saying. Now, Now, what's interesting is that you said... Uh, earlier in our in the, in our discussion here, you, you were mentioned that a lot of times looking at these issues raises more questions than it answers. So, at any point during this process, did you second guess your position on, you know, uh, is Genesis real history? Did you ever, uh, and and did you did you talk to people that were uh, of the opposing view as well as uh, scientists that are of the, uh, you know, supporting uh, the recent creation? So. To your first question, did I ever did I ever question my position? I really didn't, um, primarily because much of what you, the way you have to kind of come at um, at how we know things, it's mm-hmm. questions of epistemology, 
you kind of got to establish what is your authority and how did you get to that authority. And so it, it made a lot of sense that the Bible was an accurate book of history. And so just simply saying that the first chapters are also accurate book of history or not, that wasn't that a very difficult thing to, to, um, to come to. As far as interviewing other people, I did not interview other people, but I actually read a lot of their books. So whether it's old earth creationists or theistic evolutionists or um, even uh, atheistic evolutionists, what I found is that most people, uh, they're able to present their best arguments in a book form. And so whether it was um, books by guys like Steve Gould or books by, you know, paleontologists or, you know, various folks that have written against um, the Christian view of the world, or in many cases, this place, particularly creationism, or whether it was, you know, books by Hugh Ross talking about older creation. I, um, I consulted them first, um, although I did speak to Hugh Ross at one point about this. But again, I find that it's in their books that they're yeah. present their, their best foot forward. And so I wanted to basically read them and uh, weigh them on their, again, best foot forward. And and so when you read books like by Hugh Ross and others, um, how did you uh, uh, you you felt that the argument for a recent creation and a literal uh, historical uh, genesis you felt that that was still the the evidence was still more compelling in that direction? Yeah, I mean the, the issue that, that what people don't often bring up is that if you're gonna uh, the important thing that I was looking at is the book of is the book of, of history. So a lot of people want to talk about science and they want to talk about you know the Bible what the Bible says, and I think those are both very important, but my interest is the question of saying, well, what if we look at the Bible and say it's the book of history, and then more importantly, we say, well, okay, what we all agree on is that something actually happened. So the question became, so what do we agree with? Well, we agree that our world is the way it is. We agree that there are these rock layers. We agree that there are these fossils. We We agree that these things really exist, and then we agree that there is a history that occurred before us that started somewhere. I mean, almost everyone agrees with this. So if that's the case, then we're saying, well, so what actually happened? And I found that that was what became kind of interesting, is that when I got to asking questions about a theistic evolutionist or asking a question of an old earth creationist or an atheistic evolutionist, what I found is they agreed with about 99% of the actual timeline of events. Meaning, really? if, well, yeah, I mean, if the universe, let's just put it, it's very, it's not, this isn't a very hard equation. If your timeline is based on chronology, so when you're dealing with history, you're dealing with things that we all basically know. You're dealing with duration. You're dealing with events. You're dealing with, I mean, things that happen, people. Um, and so if you look, for instance, at the conventional chronology of the world, currently right now it's standing at about 13.8 billion years. Well, everyone agrees it was a big bang. So let's not talk about cause. Let's just talk about events. Uh, everyone believes, um, and this is Hugh Ross, this is a theistic evolution, they, theistic evolution, they all agree on the same event. They agree that for 9 billion years, there was no Earth in the universe. It wasn't even a, we, didn't, we didn't really even have a solar system. Then about you know, 4.5 billion years ago, there was a galactic cooling event, and planetesimals began to form. I was talking to a geologist at Wheaton recently, and I said, what do you believe? Do you believe the Earth formed over millions of years through planetesimals? And he was like, yes, Hugh Ross would hold to this. A theistic evolution, they all hold to this. So you now have billions of years occurring where the slow accretion of planetesimals will millions of years and billions of years of the Earth, which then has to go through multiple environments, whether it's the Achaean or Hedean periods, 
leading all the way up to the Proterozoic uh, period um, that are mainly represented in the Cambrian rocks, is what they would say. Well, that's 4 billion years. So we're right now at, what, 13 billion years, uh, a little over. And so for 13.2 billion years, it's all exactly the same. They then, again, would agree that for 540 million years ago is when you have the first um, complex life. They would put cell life earlier than that, but they would all put it happening. Again, I'm not putting cause. Did God do it? Did it happen accidentally? doesn't matter. The events are the same. And they would begin to say that there was, you know, the slow rise and fall of epicontinental seas, you know, what, 15 times and so forth or more, um, that has created the sedimentary rock layers that exist in the, you know, um, Paleozoic and in the Mesozoic and yeah. in the Cenozoic. So, so, so you're... So all you're, the same you, events. Yeah. All the same events. And... Are you following me here? <laughs> well, well, I, I, I want to I ask you a few questions about what you just said, um, but we're up on a break here. So uh, when we get back, my guest today is Thomas Purifoy. He's the uh, producer of his Genesis history, and we're discussing um, some of the stuff that people view right now uh, currently um, about the sequence of events and um, how much do we agree on and how much do we disagree on. We're going to be right back. Stay with us. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. This is Throughout All Ages Ministry with Joe and Stacy. We would like to equip you to share the gospel with confidence in a biblical and effective way. We would like to teach you through the proclamation of the gospel. Whether you're the skeptic, God who created you said that he has made himself known to you so that you are without excuse. One-on-one evangelism. How do you think you can get to heaven? I've never really thought about it, but I've always thought of, you know, doing good. For more information, go to throughoutallages.com, like us on Facebook, or visit us at YouTube at Throughout All Ages. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. How much time and money do you spend buying lattes and espresso drinks? Express Fix Coffee invites you to discover super automatic espresso machines for your home or office. Enjoy delicious coffee drinks at the push of a button. Dave Martin and his local team help you choose the perfect machine for you. Call Express Fix Coffee for new or used espresso machines, repairs, parts, or accessories. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Dave at 619-825-3985. There's got to be more. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. I appreciate you being here with us today and uh, listening to the program. My guest today is Thomas Purifoy with IsGenesisHistory.com. Please visit that website, IsGenesisHistory.com. It's also coming out uh, on in theaters next Thursday, February 22nd. This is the um, kind of anniversary showing of the 
movie, and uh, I've seen the whole movie. It is fantastic. I loved it. It uh, does an amazing job of really pulling together a whole bunch of information into a concise package so you can get the overall picture, which I think in a lot of ways is more compelling when you see it all together than just seeing one piece of the puzzle. Um, would, you, would you agree with that, that seeing it all at once is helpful versus just seeing these uh, you know, pieces here and there? Tom? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I, I, I do think so, that the, as a whole, it's a really big deal to see pieces as a whole. Yeah. So when we left off last segment, um, you were talking about how you, you said essentially uh, people, evolutionists and uh, people who believe in a, a long age geology and so forth, that we, were you saying that we agreed with 99% of them? Is that what you were saying? No, what I was saying is that there are just two views of history. Okay. And that I was describing their view of history and a lot of people complained about this. Well, oh, I can't believe that you know, you've linked all of these you know, Christians and non-Christians together. But what most people don't realize is that they hold to exactly the same chronology and timeline. Yeah. Their only difference is causality. Um, Meaning God or God or not God is what you're saying. Yeah. And then within that group, if you're a theistic evolutionist or you're a, a progressive creationist, well, you're going to hold to the same geological events. Your only difference is that the progressive creationist holds that God had, you know, according to Hugh, you know, I don't know, 20, 30 unique creation events. He's not sure how many, but yeah. every 10 to 15 billion years, all of a sudden God recreates all these new creatures. And most people don't realize that's what people actually think. So that, how do you respond to that? What, how do you respond when, when, uh, to, to progressive creationists and all, um, when you're having this discussion, what, what do you say to them? Well, the best quote is you just quote Thomas Huxley. So when you go, if you look at, if you read The Origin of Species, this Darwin was not going after six-day creationists. Mm. When Darwin wrote his book, the guys that were, that held the ascendancy, Adam Sedgwick and others, they were progressive creationists, Cuvier and all these guys. And so he gives a very interesting little historical sketch of how do we get to, you know, 1859 and Origin of Species. And he quotes Thomas Huxley, who basically says, and Huxley was his, you know, friend that was also a, a naturalist. And Huxley says, look, um, in the history, both neither in your revelation, meaning nowhere in the Bible, and nowhere in tradition, and really not even in the evidence around you in the world, um, is there any proof for this view of God creating different types of animals with huge sections of time stuck between them? I mean, this whole view only derives from some of the basic assumptions that Cuvier and others made back then. And so it, it doesn't even really make sense on any, you know, on any area, like it, the Bible certainly doesn't say it, and there's really not even a tradition in historically in history prior to the 19th century of it. And then, as the evolutionists point out, it really doesn't even make sense when you're looking at the actual uh, paleontological data, um, which is true. That's why Darwin, usually a progressive creationist, in many cases, will end up. If you're going to assume in old age, they're going to end up a theistic evolutionist if they're consistent, because the evidence. There's far more evidence that works together that way. Now, I would not think that either of them are the best explanation of the record, but my point is that back in 1859, they recognized that progressive creation has major, major problems because it's trying to put together things that just don't fit, which is the Bible, which presents that God created everything in six days um, as unique kinds versus this, you know, 540 million year slow creation of the God creates a bunch of stuff and they go extinct and he creates a bunch of stuff and they go extinct and die out. That just seems strange. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I feel it's very, uh, kind of ad hoc 
uh, as far as when you're reading the, the Bible. Now, you were saying that the Bible is a history book, and uh, one of the gentlemen you had uh, in the movie was Doug Petrovich. So did you end up, um, d- did you initially, when you were setting out to make the movie, did you have in mind that you were going to uh, involve uh, archaeology and so forth, or was that kind of something that developed along the way? Or, you know, people people will argue back and forth, well, the, the Bible is uh, faith and and then you've got science, or some people might say the Bible's history, but then you've got science. So what is the interplay there between archaeology, science, the Bible, uh, and and uh, how did you infuse that into the movie? I did always plan to have archaeology as a part of it. And I, and I think a lot of times people will use words like science, the Bible, and faith, and they're really not sure what they mean by these definitions. I mean, science really is the study of the natural world, and you can have scientific, meaning uh, the use of certain methods and certain um, regimens to study aspects of the natural world, in this case, archaeology, which is kind of a, it, it's working on the natural world, sort of, but really what it's doing is it's looking at the history of artifacts made by people um, that, are, that are basically found in the world. And so I felt that it was important when you begin to look at the Bible, um, you begin to see that there is this point, especially there in the early chapters of Genesis, where the archaeological record becomes important. And um, I'll be the first to say there have not been nearly enough young earth creationists working in the world of archaeology. Some interesting things out there, especially if you begin to throw out these questions of the, effect, the efficacy of carbon-14 dating prior to 1500, um, which a lot of people actually in the archaeological community recognize that there begin to be some, even in the secular community, there is a um, a debate with Egyptologists on whether the effectiveness of carbon-14 prior to the 1500. Um, but I felt that it was important you, that we bring... When, just to clarify, uh, Tom, yeah. when you when you say the effectiveness of carbon-14 dating prior to the 1500s, are you saying that once you go past the 1500s, it becomes ineffective, or are you saying... Uh, 1500 BC. So oh, what's oh. happened is that uh, BTAC, who was doing, I think his work in Averis, was doing, was noticing this. I know this is, this is a commonly known deal inside the world of archaeology. What he began to notice is that the conventional dating, so the dating of, of certain Egyptian rulers prior to 15, around 1500 and prior to 1500, that he was, they were um, about 170 years off. Mm. And um, it was strange because the carbon-14 dates were suggesting one date, and yet his conventional dating by adding years up and putting together what the rulers were based on, on writings, this again is just Egyptology, um, was showing a different date. And it was very, very odd to them and that they seem to have noticed, and this is what I would argue, is that that is an indicator of things that were unsettling going back to the flood and that there is something that was going on within the radioisotope world that we have not yet understood that is causing these weird occurrences, which would explain why someone will come back and say, well, that's dated 40,000 years ago. And you're like, well, no, it's probably dated much, much closer to the flood, um, which would also then explain why you have these weird radioisotope dates that seem to, you know, suggest things are millions and, and billions of years old. Um, I think that there's more going on than we understand, and that archaeology, curiously, is at the is at the at the bleeding edge of it, and is beginning and is basically having these debates. That's very um, interesting, huh? I hadn't yeah, heard that before. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, no, BTAC's got a good article. You can look online and see this stuff. I mean, it's go to academia.com and look at BTAC's work. I think it's B-I-A-T-E-K, and you can see his, you got whole papers on this. That's great. 
Okay, so um, so then, as far as this pertains, you know, to are you seeing any shift in thinking? As you know, because I've I've heard these arguments for quite a while. The arguments back and forth, and you know, you have Hugh Ross arguing that um, the Genesis is uh, more poetical and so forth. Um, are you seeing any shift in thinking in that? Uh, you know, when you put forth that effort, I I thought it was amazing also that you had Del Tackett involved because um, he's kind of a celebrity figure with the Truth Project and everything, at least in the Christian world. And um, I'm curious to know if you've seen any shifts in people's thinking in the Christian world. You know, because we've kind of had this split over it. But we're up on on a break here. We have one more segment left. I'm going to let Tom uh, answer these questions that I have, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about is Genesis history. So stay with us. we got one more segment left. For 36 years, Fastlane Kayaking has helped people like you experience everything that's great about San Diego. Fastlane makes fishing and water sports fun and easy. Hobie Cat kayaks feature a popular pedal system, not paddles, keeping your hands free as you fish. You no longer need to tow and gas up a boat to experience great San Diego fishing. Call or come in for your no-charge demo ride, 619-222-0766, fastlanesailing.com. At Dana Landing Marina across from SeaWorld, 619-222-0766. Luke Gibson of LG Equipment supports Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Luke grew up in the construction industry and now serves LG's commercial and residential customers throughout Southern California. Whether you need grading, paving, hauling, demolition, on-site bulk water service, water trucks, tankers, and towers, call LG Equipment at 619-998-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-998-0924. Hi, I'm Marissa Conover, and I would love to help you buy or sell your home. I've worked as a realtor for more than 13 years, and as a San Diego native, my passion and experience will help make your move as peaceful as can be. Call me at 619-251-1577. That's 619-251-1577. Or visit Conover Hi, this is Kevin Conover. Will you please donate to Educate for Life so we can share the truth of God's Word with kids in public schools? You can donate online at donatetoefl.org. The Bible used to be read in public schools on a regular basis prior to the 1960s, but today most kids are completely clueless when it comes to the content and the historical and scientific accuracy of the Bible. Please help us by donating online at donatetoefl.org. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. I will cast my cares on you. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website is educateforlife.org. I hope you're enjoying the conversation I'm having with Thomas Purifoy today. Um, we we the, This show is going to be all up on YouTube. You can check it out on the YouTube channel, Educate for Life video. And uh, we also podcast it. And I've got all kinds of resources on my website. 
Um, but he has a ton of resources on his website, isgenesishistory.com. Please go check out the film, February 22nd. That's right around the corner here. It's a Thursday. It's going to be in uh, the theaters for one day. And uh, it's been out, you know, for a year. You can buy DVDs and uh, all, you can downloads and there's all kinds of stuff. I'm going to be giving away some downloads myself. Um, he's graciously given me a few downloads that I can pass out. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. Stay with us. But um, so... So my, I left off the segment, Tom, uh, asking you, um, are you seeing any shift in thinking in the Christian world um, among pastors and others and, and maybe even um, other um, you know, spiritual leaders? Because uh, I know when I had Del Tackett on, I asked him about this, and he said, he said that uh, he didn't bring it up in the Truth Project. You know, he didn't bring up the whole discussion over the edge of the earth uh, because some people had felt it was too controversial. And I, I think he was still... Um, I'm not sure how much he, where he was at, but I know he ended up becoming convinced that um, the Earth, the, a recent creation, uh, biblically and scientifically, made more sense. Are, are you seeing any other uh, people like that co- kind of come out of the woodwork and saying, "Hey, um, I agree with uh, is Genesis history"? I, I mean, I'm not, but I'm also not even. I'm not looking for it. Um, sure. I think that these things will happen kind of slowly and quietly. Uh, people will probably come to a view and say, you know, maybe that is kind of reasonable. I think that ideas don't change usually. Usually they don't change very quickly and suddenly, but enough data and enough uh, people generally will say, well, I might can accept this. And I, I think that's what I've noticed probably more than anything is that there's, there, there, and I don't mean this negatively, but I find that even among folks that are, quote, educated, they really don't know that much about these, the actual data and these issues. Yeah, that's, um, been, my, that's and, been my experience also. Yeah, I mean, so I, I mean, I sat around with a guy who like, I respect greatly, and he's a, you know, had a systematic theology, a seminary, and I remember asking about his views as well. You know, I kind of hold to a, you know, a looser older Earth deal. But then I asked him, so what are your thoughts about, you know, the, the paleontological record? And he looked at me and said, well, yeah, I don't have much time to talk about paleontology. So um, I had another guy mention, you know, so well, I really don't deal much with before Genesis 12. And so I, I think that these are, even though people are very, very smart and very respected. I think that we would be surprised uh, how little a lot of people actually have studied or thought about this, just because there's so many things. Going back to the beginning, I said that there's a lot to know out there, and even those who know a lot don't really know that much. Um, I find that a lot of the exegesis of Genesis, the best work has been done. Guys like Casuto and, um, you know, who are Jews doing the work on this, uh, older rabbinical Jews, who said, look, this is a narrative. Um, it's a historical narrative, and you can see it in the text. You can see it in other texts that refer back to it. And then even as a Christian, you'd say, well, you see it in the New Testament text. So traditionally, what you see really in the history of Acts of Jesus is that folks like Augustine, um, folks in the modern world, uh, Augustine, of course, believed that this is an infant, you know, the creation. It wasn't, you know, over six days. Folks in the modern world want to basically put it, you know, at billions of years. I would argue these are local nature myths that are then being applied to the Bible, and that the Big Bang cosmology is just as much a, a modern nature myth as is anything you go back in time and do, that, that they're, they are a reflection of the philosophical and theological thinking of the day that's then being applied to the Bible. And so if you take the text for what it is and use the internal um, exegetical markers and are not trying to create some, some new structure to fit your modern nature myth into it, even if you're, you know, Augustine, and your modern myth was you're a Neoplatonist, and so God did this for the angels. 
Um, and Luther picks this up in the you know 16th century. He's observing that, well, it's very obvious what, what Augustine was doing here. Um, in the same way, people will look back probably 100 years from now at the 20th century and early 21st and say, oh, isn't it interesting? Framework hypothesis, cosmic temple model, analogical days. It's very clear what they're doing is they're trying to dehistoricize the, the, the text to, to basically fit the modern nature myth of Big Bang cosmology into it. By yeah. that time, Big cosmology will probably go away. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense what you're saying. So if that's the case, then what would you what would you say is the best approach when you're trying to discuss this issue with somebody or trying to persuade them, uh, you know, that Genesis is history? Um, do, you, do you start biblically and um, look at biblical exegesis or do you go to the science or is it just dependent upon the individual you're talking to? If you'd like to hear the rest of this interview on Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, go online to educateforlife.org. That's educateforlife.org. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb. But for real, visit EducateForLife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800-243-9719 or email KevCon at EducateForLife.com. That's K-E-V-C-O-N at EducateForLife.com. 